The upstate of South Carolina is filled with many individuals, businesses, and organizations that are collectively helping to shape the upstate as a leading place to live, learn, do business, and raise a family. My name is Dean Hebel, and I'm the executive director of Ten at the Top, a regional nonprofit organization with the mission of fostering collaboration and partnership around issues that impact economic vitality and quality of life. Thanks for joining me for Upstate Gems, our podcast where I chat with upstate influencers to learn about their journey and how they are making a difference in the upstate. I am delighted to welcome for this session, Susan McCarty, the Executive Director of the Greenville Homeless Alliance. And Susan, welcome to Upstate Gems. Thank you for having me, Dean. So Susan, I wanna jump in before we get into your work uh, with the Homeless Alliance. Uh, we like to learn a little bit about our guests in terms of your journey. You know, it's often that uh, careers start in one direction and they move into a, a different one than maybe was originally planned. Uh, share a little bit about yourself and, and your background, where, where you went to school and kind of how you got to uh, this current uh, role in place with the uh, Greenville Homeless Alliance. Sure. I moved to this area as a graduate of North Carolina State University and majored in textile design. And I came to work for Millican in the automotive um, sec sector, focusing on interiors of automobiles. And we had plants, you know, across the upstate. So that was a great introduction to many parts from, uh, from Abbeville to you know, Spartanburg to up in Marietta above Traveler's Rest was kind of our area that we focused on. And then we had customers all over the world, you know, utilizing those products that were made here. And uh, it was during that time that I became involved through my church in some of the more local aspects of Greenville and had chosen to live in Greenville. My um, office was in Marietta. And so that was a good uh, place to be as a, as a newcomer to Greenville. And during that time and getting involved through my church, I really realized I loved, you know, being involved in the Greenville community and was offered a position working for the church after about 11 years being with Millican. So I call that my first career change. <laughs> And it really boiled down to, I, I sort of had a realization that while I, I enjoyed the people and the, the travel and the aspects of the work, at the end of the day, I was, I was focusing on polyester. And in, you know, 100 years, that was not going to matter much in the world. And so the opportunity with Westminster Presbyterian gave me um, what I felt, you know, I was being called to really think more about making a difference in people's lives and doing that right here in my community that I, you know, now had lived in for 11 years. And it was through that work that led me to the position with the Greenville Homeless Alliance. And, and I give Tony McDade a lot of um, credit for pulling me into learning more about homelessness through uh, the organization he was running that was called the Greenville Area Interfaith Hospitality Network. And, and then I became involved on the board of United Ministries as those two organizations joined together. 
And through that and being a part of the study with the city of Greenville on affordable housing, all those things kind of culminated. And I suddenly felt myself called in, into starting a new organization that is the Greenville Homeless Alliance. Well, as um, having myself been the first executive director of 10 at the top, I, I know that starting a new organization, even though um, you know it bubbles up from others and support is, is definitely a challenge. So it's been what, about five years, five or six years uh, since you start, started? That's right, it's or, coming officially up. Started. Right, five years on May the 1st. Wow. So um, what were the, you mentioned, you know, the studies and things of that. What were some of the things that, that were discovered that uh, led to the creation specifically of, of you know, the, the Greenville Homeless Alliance? Why was an organization uh, and, and it being an alliance, who are the partners within the alliance? Yes, so it bubbled up after a crisis that the Greenville News more or less made public through a series of stories that ran in 2014 that looked at a very small encampment under the Pete Hollis Bridge, and that became known as the Tent City Crisis. And so we still share that story because it's an example of um, what well-meaning Greenvillians can, can do and think that they are helping and it actually can create uh, harm to people who are living peacefully. And, and so the, that represented 18 public and private partners that were forced because of the crisis and people actually becoming harmed and ending up hospitalized who were living under that bridge peacefully um, when lots of other items showed up and we call it toxic charity arrived through well-meaning green billions, and, and that drew a lot of other people to that bridge. Uh, so those 18 partners included GAIN, which I just had mentioned that Tony was running at the time, United Ministries, um, other providers such as Miracle Hill, Salvation Army, you know, kind of what we call our usual suspects when you think of who serves people experiencing homelessness. But it also included the city of Greenville and the county of Greenville, because it was one of those situations where uh, the encampment was under a SCDOT bridge. They contacted SCDOT and they said, we only build the bridge. It's not our responsibility for closing down something underneath our bridge. And so it, um, all those joined together. And then they said, you know what? We need to work in a different and new way. And they outlined that with the help of Russell Stahl, who at the time was running um, Greenville Forward, and put all that into a white paper that outlined my job description and other key priorities that those partners had said, if we could begin to do these things, it would help shift this crisis that we're seeing right now today. And so that was that first study. And then right on the heels of that, the city did this affordable housing study that I became a part of. And that really showed this thing that I think everyone knew, but it really gave data and you know a call to action to that data to the city council at the time. And it said, we have a deficit of housing in the city and it's a deficit of 2,500 homes for families or individuals 
who really need a rent and or a mortgage at $500 a month or less. And that was why suddenly solving homelessness became really, really difficult because they also said as recently as 10 years prior to this study, we'd had a surplus in Greenville of homes at that rent, you know, $500 a month or less, a surplus of so much as 800 homes, Dean. Wow. And so if you think about, you know, meeting someone in a crisis and then quickly being able to help them address it and move them into their own home again, much more simple when you've got 800 choices. Absolutely. So Susan, it, it sounds like, you know, data is always helpful in a guide and what, um, you know, specifically um, what was the thinking in terms of, of creating the homeless alliance? Was it, you know, I know I hear a lot, whether it be in our work or with transportation mobility or anything that you wanted someone who wakes up every day or an organization that wakes up every day thinking about X, Y, or Z. Was that kind of the, the idea uh, for formalizing the, the Homeless Alliance as a, an organization as opposed to being just a component of something else? It was. There was a lot of thought that went into that very question. Should it be a person that wakes up every day that's under the authority as a staff member of Greenville County? Or should it be inside the city of Greenville as a staff member on the city's, you know, government staff? But ultimately, through the conversations and, it, um, and the people who were at the table at that time said, you know what, I think if we make it a neutral and they looked at best practices around what makes coalition work successful and as a neutral convener, then, you know, hopefully that person and entity and organization can stay nimble and able, you know, to respond and, and, and not get, um, you know, just caught up in so much other bureaucracy or, um, pulled, you know, the job could be pulled in a different direction had it been housed in, inside of a government entity. Yes. Um, so let's shift a little bit. And I want to talk for a minute, maybe a little bit about the makeup of uh, the homeless population. What does someone who is homeless in Greenville look like in terms of, of how they got to that situation? And, you know, I think historically homelessness has been looked upon as, as that person did something wrong or, or made a mistake of some sort. Uh, but a lot of times um, happenstance tends to have a lot to do with someone being in a situation of homelessness. Can you talk a little bit about kind of the makeup of the folks who, who you see and are seen in, in uh, Greenville in the, the homeless of situation? Well, we tend to look at what we define as three data points, larger, you know, buckets that help us think about the whole entire um, population of who we know may be experiencing homelessness. And so I'll start with what most of us may think of top of mind is someone who's living unsheltered that may be uh, sleeping on a bench 
you know, downtown or in a tent encampment, like we talked about under the Pete Hills Bridge. And that tends to be what we define more often as chronic homelessness, typically have been um, on the streets a year or longer. And that ends up being kind of um, usually a number of different factors have led to, to becoming homeless for that length of time. Uh, it could be uh, a combination of mental health. It could also be uh, underemployment. Maybe there's often um, aging out of foster care system and not having, I mean, I think at the end of the day, most people that find themselves that long on the street have um, no sort of family support to lean on. And so that community on the street uh, becomes a, a type of support you know, um, there is community there. And so that's one area. The The second is the people who have decided, you know what, I need to, to be finding a way to have stable shelter. And so they enter our emergency shelters, we have 450 emergency shelter beds. We know from data that 75% of the people that make that tough choice report having no income. So 75%, you can see why they make that choice. If they have no other family network to fall back on, they can enter our emergency shelters and begin that pathway, get connected to income, improve their employment. So that's a um, second area. The third is our children in Greenville County Schools, which is actually our largest segment of our data. It's over one third. And that's just children. So if we counted the non-school age siblings and parents, that is our largest group of who's experiencing homelessness. Uh, and so often that is um, families who are working multiple jobs, but they, you know, for different reasons are not able to find housing that's affordable, would be the best, um, most single driving factor of why they're experiencing homelessness. Um, just yesterday, I mean, I'll say within that, you know, there, we're seeing not just families affected. I got an email from Travelers Rest City Council member working with some of her constituents, um, husband and wife, age 72 and 76. A developer said, we're going to flip and change, you know, our property that we now own where you are renting. You have just a couple weeks and then that's it. You know, you have to find somewhere else to go and they are scrambling they have income, they didn't do anything wrong. It's just simply Greenville is growing. We're seeing a lot of outside investment and properties are being um, flipped and then the rents become unaffordable. So really homelessness can have multiple reasons, but in a growing place like Greenville and, and the upstate where, um, where home affordability as we've mentioned several times is is a challenge really for, for everybody, but most especially for those who are low income. Uh, you know, it sounds like the, um, you know, that uh, is really, can be uh, um, kind of the, the starting point for, for why folks end up in a homeless situation is that, uh, that either rents have gotten too high where they can't afford it, or the homes have been changed or flipped. Um, with the, you know, in, in the development world, uh, infill development is a positive because it, it 
takes it utilizes land that is already in existence for uh, you know homes as opposed to sprawling out to the hinderlands. But when it comes to affordability, having uh, greater densities and and more new developments in the city hurts the the affordability component, at least in a place like Greenville, where where um, you know people want to be here and it's and it's thriving. Um, are you seeing kind of that that merging of of challenge of um, you know infill taking some places that historically were uh, where there was affordable or lower income housing or or established neighborhoods that were around for a long time and now are being flipped uh, and suddenly uh, being uh, you know priced well out of the range of of many people who had uh, lived in those areas historically absolutely we're seeing that every day and you know I do think we're trying to continue to to speak into tools that for example the city and the county are both you know going through their development code process the city is is closer to adopting theirs and you know we're we're definitely trying to encourage as much public comment so that you know we can especially in the state of South Carolina provide as many incentives to developers to help include a variety of affordable options within a market rate development. And you're also seeing in other parts of the country, I've seen uh, examples of places where they've taken uh, former um, uh, malls or shopping centers and turned it into affordable housing or uh, you know other things, theaters and, and other things like that. Have you all had conversations in Greenville about, you know, some other, you know, non-traditional types of, of opportunities to create, um, you know, old hotels, things like that, uh, into affordable housing? We absolutely have. We've been having those conversations for a couple of years. I do think we have a challenge of needing more either upfront investment to, to bring something like that um, to make it really happen and create those housing options that we had, have identified within the Homeless Alliance that are needed, but it absolutely could be done. And we know that that would also give us the ability to find locations that are already, you know, right here. Like you said, it would not cause us to have to sprawl. It would give us opportunity to be on a Greenlink route and all those things help our entire community but especially people who have so few options today. And um, you know, the other piece around around that I would would think is, um, you know, when uh, if if affordable, if you can increase the uh, number of affordable units of housing, then it uh, reduces the number of people who uh, are taking up long term beds in shelters so that the shelters then can be used for more of people with immediate need or who come in. We had a situation just a couple of weeks ago where a, a family somehow ended up in our office uh, that were homeless and hungry and were looking 
for help. And I called three or four places that were all full before I was able to find a place for them to, to go and be helped. So I would assume while um, you know, affordable housing maybe is a slightly different thing than homelessness, you've made it very clear that they are very much connected. And I would assume that creating affordable housing is one of the strategies as it relates to, to dealing holistically with homelessness. Yes, that has been our number one strategy and continues to be. And we've actually started in 2019 calling it exits from homelessness because affordable housing is such a broader range of incomes and sometimes confusing. I mean, you know, ideally all of us, if we were um, wanting to be a community where everyone thrives, would have affordable housing. And, you know, I live in affordable housing, you probably do too. And so it's how do we create those other options for people who who don't have access to that today. Right. Um, and so we'll wrap up here in a minute, but I want to finish this part with just maybe a quick uh, overview. So someone comes in to the system, to Greenville, and is homeless. What are things that folks, you know, in the general public, like I said, I just dealt with it a couple of weeks ago, making calls, but I kind of knew where to go. If someone doesn't necessarily know the system, and but they meet someone or or themselves have a situation where they're they're in a crisis and need short term or long term housing, um, what what are the the first couple things that people should do? Yeah, so definitely bookmark our Get Help page from the Greenville Homeless Alliance website. You can, you know, Google us. We can, I'm sure, put it in the show notes. But we have those frontline resources grouped into categories, kind of hopefully helping you know quickly, okay, I'm a family. I'm going to, you know, look here. These are my options. And we are work, continuing to work to improve that for the consumer so that hopefully they can more quickly know exactly, you know, what suits their needs best. But we encourage you to utilize that page. We are trying to be that convener and connector. So if you have feedback, we'd love to hear that as well, because we do want to continue. And it's always kind of changing, Dean. You know, we're, we're a fortunate uh, place that has a lot of nonprofits. And, and so as we learn about new resources, we keep that up to date. So please do that. And then what we suggest is really directing folks to those resources and making sure that you're familiar with them. So when you are asked, you can offer that as well. And, and we actually deter people from offering money themselves because more likely than not, that would just be a, a Band-Aid. And, you know, from our Get Help page, you can see where you can have access to meals seven days a week, you know, really everything, healthcare uh, information is on there, obviously shelter, financial help. Um, all, I mean, there's just a lot of resources here in Greenville. Right, so getting someone connected to those is the first step and we will be sure and put that uh, uh, website address on, our, um, on, on the notes uh, for people who are listening uh, to this podcast. So Susan, thank you so much for kind of sharing about, I mean, we really, of course, just touched the, the surface of 
the challenges related uh, to homelessness, but it is something that I think in, in a community that is prospering the way Greenville and the upstate is, we are hopeful that, you know, to see a reduction in the number of people uh, who experience, especially the longer term um, homelessness. And, but to know that there are services available is certainly very critical. Um, how about uh, spending a couple minutes, we'll do some rapid fire questions. Okay. Let's All do right. it. All right. So these are short answers. Just, you know, first thought off your, your mind and we'll, we'll go through them fairly quickly. Um, the first one, what is something you learned and still use today from a mentor or past colleague? To focus attention and energy on making a difference first in the lives of others, and then success might follow for you as a byproduct. Great. Um, what is one observation or lesson uh, you would share with a mentee? I believe it's important to lead with gratitude. And from that, I think you can find, you know, you're going to build more relationships that are long lasting with people. And that ultimately, you know, will just lead to you being, I think, you know, uh, a better uh, employee in whatever role you're in, and also just gathering and gaining uh, friends along the way that you never know, you know, when that um, relationship is going to make that difference for you or for someone that you know. Great. Who is someone in your network who you can count on being a good partner for collaborating and forming community partnerships? Well, the first, there's a lot of people, but I'll say the first one that jumps into my mind is Katie Smith. I kind of knew you would say that, but why? Uh, why Katie? She, you know, she's just so connected and so willing to try and be helpful. But I will say, um, when the Economy Inn was condemned and the Greenville Homeless Alliance showed up on the scene, Katie was one person that particular day that just went above and beyond, and she did everything. She just didn't give up. She was right. I mean, we ended up working like a 16-hour day that day. It was, and she was there doing everything she could. Great. Um, if you were emperor for a day, what is one thing about your job or sector that you would change? In a two words, I'd say data sharing, making it more simple and easier because often that is the challenging part for the person or, or family experiencing homelessness. Hmm. What is one thing you want to make sure you accomplish before your career is over? If everyone in, in Greenville County, which is where the Greenville Homeless Alliance focuses, could be educated on homelessness and the related factors such as affordable housing and other root causes, I think I could retire and know that it had been a great career. Right. And then the last one, we always hear people talk about what keeps them up at night. But what I think is always interesting to hear from someone is what about your job gets you up in the morning? 
I get so excited when we make connections. So something that someone would say, I never knew that. And it could be really simple, but if we can be that connector and make more human connections, that's really, I, I just love it when that happens. And so that gets me up because just about every day that happens in our work. Great. Well, Susan, thank you so much. I have really enjoyed this time with you and, and I hope our audience uh, has learned uh, a bit about uh, the Green, Greenville Homeless Alliance and a little bit about how we all can learn and support uh, the role of, of trying to reduce homelessness here in Greenville and the upstate. Thank you, Dean. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. And in closing, I want to thank all of you for joining us for this edition of Upstate Gems. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure and like us on your podcast app and tell your friends. You can also check out the 10 at the Top podcast channel for new episodes of Upstate Gems and our other 10 at the Top podcasts.